I greet you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I count it a great privilege, joy, and uh, quite a challenge to stand before you uh, this morning. And we trust that the Lord will have something for each one of us as uh, we look at his word together. Please turn with me to Second Thessalonians and uh, chapter 3. Second Thessalonians and chapter 3, we will read together verse 1 through to verse 5. And I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 on to verse 5. The Bible reads as follows. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. And may I ask that we just pause and bow our heads and pray to God that he may give us light from his word. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, none is qualified to do things spiritual and things spiritually descend apart from you giving indeed the directive and the unctioning. And indeed we will fail to see what is in your word if you do not attend to us and make uh, these things uh, plain before us. And sometimes these things appear so straightforward and simple, and sometimes it's words that we decide don't mean for us, and so, oh God, our hearts and our minds do not apply to these things. And sometimes it's the failure of uh, the speech being made and the words being spoken to attract anything of faith. But we do ask that this morning, oh God, that you may be pleased to cause all of us to behold wondrous things from your word and to cause, oh God, that each one of us may receive something from you, the living God. Would you cause, oh God, that uh, preacher and listener alike may not leave this place untouched and affected and unconvinced and unpersuaded, but that, Father, together we may be led into that which you want us to go to. And be pleased, therefore, to glorify yourself in our midst and to be with us in a very special way. This we do pray in the name of our Savior, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, we do know uh, that uh, 
the first and second book of uh, Thessalonians, they touch something on uh, the second coming of our Savior, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And in particular, uh, this uh, text that we have, though not really being very obvious, there is something of uh, that thought uh, as well. And the Apostle Paul would want us to be convinced that he is the writer of uh, uh, Second Thessalonians, and indeed even the first. And that's why when he gets to the end of uh, the book, he emphasizes that indeed he has uh, written this with his own hand, and he actually signs it with uh, his own signature and says this is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He writes as he ends the book of uh, Thessalonians. And for him it is important because he is persuaded about the things he writes and uh, he is persuaded about what he writes and what he wants to assure uh, the, the, the church. And so he brings that assurance. And uh, in the text that we have uh, read, the Apostle Paul is persuaded and convinced that the Thessalonians would do things that he commanded them. That he, he, they, they would be not only persuaded, but they would actually do uh, as well, particularly in view of uh, the son of lawlessness, but also in view of the fact of the warning that he brings them to them about uh, idleness, being not that which Christians are called to, and actually says idleness is uh, uh, a sin, and that there are some in Thessalonica who were living this uh, sort of, uh, of, of life. And he wanted them to see the diligence that he's uh, pointing them to, and the diligence that uh, the Christian life actually calls for. Those of you who have been Christians for a while will know that uh, there is this aspect of uh, Christian diligence, Christian commitment and, and, and service that we uh, are called to. And the Apostle Paul points to his own example as an example of that uh, uh, Christian life lived in actual exercise of the faith, in service to God, and in commitment to his uh, calling. And also, as he does so particularly uh, in, uh, uh, in this uh, chapter, he, he wants a separation from uh, the, that uh, foolishness of merely supporting uh, what is there, particularly when all this is attended to with, uh, with laziness. Uh, so Christianity is not about being uh, uh, lazy. Christianity is about uh, being uh, uh, militant. And that militance is, is also uh, a militance that is indeed forced upon us because of uh, what the world uh, seeks to do uh, against us. And immediately you see the context of uh, what we have here, the prayer that uh, the Apostle Paul is asking uh, for the Thessalonians to pray for. He requests that they pray for him in, uh, in view of the gospel that he is engaged in, the gospel work that he is engaged in. He says, finally, brothers, 
pray for us that the word may speed ahead and uh, may, may be honored. He is concerned about the fruit of uh, the gospel work that he is uh, engaged in. And uh, as he does so, he comes to uh, what he says in uh, verse 2. And he says that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. And uh, he sees uh, that there is a danger uh, that he comes to as, as an individual and as those that uh, must uh, preach the gospel. And he actually adds uh, the fact and he says that for not all have faith. Not all have faith. We are in the midst of uh, a world where not all are convinced of the gospel that we preach. We are in this situation where the general theme and the general thing about people around us is that they do not have faith. For not all have faith. And I want to take this as a theme with us this morning. Not all have uh, faith. And uh, we need to see the meaning of, uh, of this. As the Apostle Paul asked that the Thessalonians would pray and that would be delivered, uh, delivered from these men that he says they are wicked and evil uh, men. And uh, uh, he is actually saying uh, these are people who do harm. They can harm us, and uh, they will harm us. And um, as we have read uh, from our consecutive Bible reading uh, today in Acts uh, chapter 21, we see Paul actually being dragged and uh, being done harm to because of uh, these uh, wicked and uh, evil uh, men. There was this vicious opposition to Paul and uh, to the gospel. Although that account in uh, Acts uh, 21 is not what is directly referred to here, what the Apostle Paul was referring to here was his encounter in um, Acts and chapter 18. We'll look at it in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a moment. But uh, Paul seems to be saying uh, everywhere and around what you see is that not all have, uh, have faith. The countries that we have been praying for all the time uh, today, we uh, hear of uh, uh, the Zekia Republic, and uh, we've heard that 70% don't want to believe in anything of uh, faith. For not all have uh, faith. And that very article that we have as the first word in that text for is, is a conjunction which is indeed uh, assigning the reason for what uh, the Apostle Paul has said. And he has said, pray for us that the gospel, he, he, he says that the gospel may go ahead and be honored. And he says, pray for us also 
that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. These two things, that the gospel may go ahead and we who do the gospel, the apostle Paul says that we may be delivered uh, from uh, evil men. And then he adds this uh, uh, primary uh, particle of a conjunction that he gives for the reason why this, the gospel must run ahead. There is need for the gospel to run ahead and be successful because not all have faith. And also, please pray for us that we may be safe as we do this work for not all have, uh, have faith. And I want us to, to, to look at this together. And when the Apostle Paul says not all have faith is straightforward, he means faith is not the possession of all. But here he gives it as a figure of, of speech, but he actually makes a statement of fact. And that's what I want us to really uh, see together. It is a fact that not all have faith. It is a fact that even while we are seated here, there may be some here in this auditorium this morning who may not have faith. But the thing that is more disappointing, that is actually if you considered the plight of Paul and looked at him, you'd say that indeed this is distressing. It is this that not all. And it is this that actually what he's saying is that the majority, the all of us, have no faith. And therefore, it should be rendered among all people, among all of us, that all men have no capacity of faith. And I'll come to this uh, in uh, a moment. And this is not just about a disposition and uh, an acknowledgement of uh, the existence of God that the Apostle Paul is talking about, which people do not have. He is talking about the actual possession of that faith. Our Christianity is a religion that is based on faith. Faith in the God that we do not see. Faith in the hope that we have that we haven't experienced yet. A hope that we do know that indeed is coming. A faith and a belief on uh, what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. That we do know that indeed there was a time when Jesus Christ came and he came and died for us on uh, the cross. Our faith is a faith that has an important subject and it's a subject of our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, when we speak about these things pertaining to our religion, we speak about Jesus Christ and him crucified. But we thank God that he died and he rose again on uh, the third day. But we also know that this faith speaks about Jesus Christ taking upon himself 
uh, our sin. Now, don't, not many are convinced of this. And to what extent are you convinced of this? I know the many of you who are here would say, I am a believer, and I'm convinced of these things. But I'm asking, to what extent are you convinced about this? Not all have faith. And the Apostle Paul basically saying, faith is not a possession of all of us. In Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah 53 and verse 5 and 6 says, but he, that meaning the Lord Jesus Christ, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And here you notice it. All of us, without exception, we have all gone our own way. All of us. And we do know that indeed this same thing of having gone our own way is what separates us from God himself. And it is what brought Jesus Christ to come uh, here. But the very thing that uh, brings us our salvation, the fact of our sins being laid on him, and the fact that this is what we understand, and this is what we mean when we place our faith and trust in Christ alone, this is a fact that many do not know. It's a fact that many do not believe. It is a fact that many do not want to live for. And it is a fact that even those who profess faith do not live to this to its great extent. And just think about, are you persuaded about the need of the speed of the gospel going ahead? Is this what you live for? I want you to see this in the context of what the Apostle Paul is, uh, is, 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 is talking about. Many of us will say, I have faith. I am not what the Apostle Paul is, uh, is saying. Now, if you have faith and you are not as those that the Apostle Paul is describing here as uh, the wicked and evil men, here is a simple question to you. If you have faith, do you live your life for the speed of the gospel? Do you live your life that the Lord may be honored? Or you are like these wicked and evil men actually hindering the speed of the gospel by the life that uh, you live. Actually, you are an agent of these same wicked and evil men. So not all have faith. 
But also, in the second place, not all have faith means that all men who have no faith are perverse, unreasonable, wicked, and evil men. And I pray that you are not included in this number. All those men who have no faith are perverse, unreasonable, wicked, and evil men. Paul's prayer was for two things, the advance of the gospel and for the honor of the Lord, and also for protection from wicked and uh, evil uh, men. And because what the Apostle Paul here means when he talks about faith, it is not just that belief in uh, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and that aspect of receiving him as your personal Lord and Savior, but there is a further aspect. In fact, in the original tongue, the word actually means trustworthiness. Not all men are trustworthy. And that's what he's talking about. And that uh, lack of trustworthiness uh, coupled with the lack of faith, the, fourth, the faith that I was uh, talking about earlier, the lack of these two things uh, makes anybody who is like that to degenerate into a wicked and an evil uh, person. And hence, actually, the, the word wicked is, is an extra thing about being unreasonable. It's a wickedness with unreasonableness. Unreasonableness. Ah, it's a new word. So, uh, that is what he's talking about. And uh, you are unreasonable as well as wicked. And you are uh, evil. An evil man is one with bad aims, one with uh, no purpose for being good or seeing good in, uh, in, in anyone. And now when you think about it, that uh, the Apostle Paul is saying that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, and he says, for not all have, uh, have faith. The, those who do not have faith, therefore, are equal to the wicked and evil uh, men. And therefore, you, you begin to notice immediately why the Apostle Paul and others needed to be prayed for. Because of being amid these men who are wicked, and evil. Wicked because they are unreasonable in all things. Evil because their aims are bad and uh, evil all, all the time. And to imagine that the uh, Apostle Paul would write in Romans uh, chapter 1 verse 18 and 19, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it uh, to them. These are men, therefore, in these words who are ungodly, unrighteous, and who suppress uh, the truth and upon them is the wrath of God and it's because the things that need to be known about righteousness they know about them. But because they are unreasonable 
and because they are bad and uh, they always want to invent evil and their purposes are not about doing good to others, they therefore will suppress the truth all the time and want to do what is uh, evil all the time. So these are men who are profoundly immoral, profoundly wicked, profoundly wrong, and profoundly sinful. All the superlatives of sin that we can lay upon them. This is actually the definition of all men. This is the definition of all men. And that's what Genesis 6 verse 5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil uh, continually. Only evil continually. The Apostle Paul would say that we have all sinned and that indeed there is nothing righteous in us for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the definition of those men and when I say men I mean actually boys and girls men and women grown up and even those still young. All of us this is our definition and no way out of it. And for the Apostle Paul, this he had experienced himself. And he had seen this as a reality. We read of that occasion that we read earlier on in Acts chapter 21. But what he had experienced at the time of the writing of uh, this book was this account in uh, chapter th uh, 18 rather of Acts and uh, uh, the, the account in Acts is when he was brought before uh, uh, Galileo, Galileo sorry. but uh, read verse 5 first, he says when Silas and Paul, Acts chapter 18 arrived from Macedonia Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. And this is what he, Paul was saying when he got to uh, Corinth. And this is what happened to him. They opposed him. And remember, the book of Thessalonians was written by Paul when he was in Corinth. But look at verse uh, 12. But when uh, Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made an, a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, this man is persuading people to worship God, contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, all Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of question about ways and names and your own law, see to it yourself. I refuse to be judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized uh, Sothens, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But 
Galio paid no attention to any uh, of this. And you, you notice the very definition of human nature here. And it's, it's, it's very close. Uh, you, you see it. Here were people, actually, uh, they were happy that they were dragging poor. And more, we see more of this in the passage that we read earlier on. Dragging poor, and as it were, you know, rejoicing over the misfortune of poor and wanting this thing to be judged against him. Very manipulative. And that's what evil, I mean, wicked and evil people do. They are very manipulative and always seeking to take pleasure in other people's uh, misfortunes. And as they do so, uh, not remorseful at all, not remorseful. And when it is done, they take no responsibility for what has happened. And uh, this shows how cruel human nature can be and how cruel we, we can be uh, to one another. And uh, you, you begin to see all this from the time when uh, children are small and as they, they are growing. You see wickedness in children. And that's why you shouldn't call these little ones your little angels. They are not. Just pause for a moment and, and look at the fact that he will see that uh, he's injured uh, somebody. It may not be deliberate. And the boy just simply walks away. You see you have, uh, you have injured your friend. Ah, it wasn't deliberate. And on he goes. And when he wants to show something, it will just indeed uh, a lip service. Sorry, and I'm going my way. Remain with your pain. But that same aspect that is in children is what is in us. Here are these adults trying to allege a crime that is no uh, crime and opposing uh, the, the truth. And you might say that you do not oppose the truth. But here is the thing. Do you live the truth yourself? Would you say without doubt that you are a person who lives by what you know uh, to, be, to be true? Do you know why uh, there is democracy in the world? Especially why we need to choose leaders between this one and the other one. Do you know why? It is because of this very fact that we do not know how to live the truth. Therefore, we must get together and try to direct ourselves by suffrage that a thing ought to be done in this way. And how sad that indeed sometimes even in the church these things rear their ugly hurts that we do not live uh, by the truth and that we do not go by these things that uh, we do know. The Apostle Paul therefore would ask the Thessalonians as he thinks about them but also as he speaks about the, the man of lawlessness that was coming and remember he was uh, after talking about the man of lawlessness he said to them stand firm in the Lord and then he says do not be idle 
because the gospel must go ahead. And as he does so, he pauses at this uh, point. And when he uses that word for, and even in the original tongue, that for means stop for a moment and think for a moment. Here is the situation. And here is the situation that maybe you are in. It is the situation that not all have faith. It is a situation that you yourself, you may not have faith. And I would like us to pause today as we come together and as we are looking at this thing, let us pause and ask ourselves the situation that we are in. In the midst of the need for the gospel and in the midst of uh, uh, warning against idleness and the need to stand firm and indeed even the aspect of the second coming of our Lord and our future glory here is the thing not all have faith and do you have faith uh, yourself friends not all have faith and all men therefore must find this in God. Because when we have seen all these things, we come to a conclusion, all of us, we, without exception, all of us without exception, that we therefore need God. Christian and non-Christian alike, if we understand this faith that the Apostle Paul is talking about, what we express in terms of our salvation and what we express in terms of our Christian living, our trust, worthiness that we need to have and what we must be. And when we look at ourselves and think that we can actually get this on our own, we find that we can't. And we find, therefore, that we need God. We need God, and that's why the Apostle, the Apostle Paul, it was that pray for us. And that is why, for us who are Christians, we need to always pray for one another. And that is why, when it comes to things concerning the gospel and the honor of our Lord, we need to pray that this may be so. But friends, we need faith from God himself. All men who have faith found it in God himself. And all men who want faith must find it in God. There's so much sin in this world at the moment. So much that indeed we do ask the question together with the Lord. That when he comes, when the Son of Man comes, because the theme, if you combine First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, the theme when you combine the two is really about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he told that uh, parable in Luke 18, he ended that parable in verse 8 with a question. When the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on earth? Unless left to ourselves, 
the answer would be, he won't. But we thank God that the Apostle Paul would write for us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. He says, for by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith, therefore, is not of ourselves. You know, this world would have palpitated in deep misery if there was nothing of what the Lord Jesus uh, Christ did for us on the cross. Can you imagine a world without the common grace of God? Could you imagine that even that grace that God indeed visits his creation with wasn't there? Think about it, that we were all evil and there is nothing that would restrain the hand of, of evil would always be born and wanting to take cover immediately. Ah, but actually we wouldn't even survive. We wouldn't even survive. Because there is a record that we know and all of us know that even mothers forget their suckling children, their suckling babies. That even a mother would uh, abandon a baby crying, wailing for attention Worse still for men, they don't even want to be there when that happens. The world would have obliterated itself, that we know. Human nature would not have uh, existed. Or if it existed, this is my own thing, if it existed, it would be like animals. That's why it's always very painful when somebody tells you uh, you're an animal. And someone tells you, Unjawena. You know, Unjawena is your dog. It's painful. Because you look at that thing, and someone says that what you are. But friends, remove God. That is what we are. But indeed, we thank God that by reason of what God has done, we can indeed respond to the Apostle Paul. If we are living those days, you'd have said, yes, I'll pray for the speeding of the work of the Lord, for the honor of God, and also pray that he may be protected from evil men. This uh, would uh, happen. And that's why Hebrews says that God diligently rewards those who earnestly uh, seek him. And whoever you are this morning, you can be numbered among those who will seek after uh, faith, true faith. And God looks for those who indeed will be faithful. Because here the Apostle Paul when he asks these people to pray for him, he is basically saying, please be trustworthy. Be trustworthy and be true to your calling. Be true to what you are. And therefore pray. You've got access to God. Pray. 
And the question that is being asked, and what is being asked of you, is to indeed show that you are one who indeed has this true faith. A true faith different from what these people are who are wicked and evil, for not all have faith, but different from these, that you are able to be counted among those who are worthy. But when you fail to indeed count yourself among these and you find all the time you are among those who do not have faith, friend, it's because you were trying to give yourself this faith. It's only found in God himself. And only him. Though we haven't seen, we believe in him. We love him, even though we do not see him. And we are filled with this inexpressible and glorious joy. For we are indeed receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Now that's not uh, Paul speaking, that's Peter. In First Peter and uh, chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. But you, you see what he's expressing? That indeed, if faith is being convinced of those things we do not see, we haven't seen in the case of God, the Apostle Peter said, though not having seen him, we, we, we love him. Even though we haven't seen him now, we believe in him. And we are filled with this inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? Several things. But also, we are receiving the goal of our faith. We are receiving the goal of our faith. The salvation of our souls. So our faith doesn't just end here. It makes us look even further. Further to that great and glorious day when we shall be with him in glory. But while we are here, trustworthy in all things, and that is this. And therefore, we can only get this from God himself. From God himself. It is God who is able to give him. Arthur W. Pink uh, said this in one of his uh, transcribed sermons. Uh, preached at uh, the tabernacle at Ashfield. He said this, God for soul, God for new, that not a single member of the human race ever would believe if he left them to themselves. Consequently, in his own sovereign grace, he purposed to give faith to his own elect. All men haven't faith who haven't been given this faith by God himself. Those to whom God gives, they will express it. They will express his faith uh, variously. To whom does he give? To those who hear the gospel like this. To those of you who have heard today. He is seeking that he may give you. He is seeking that he may give you. He gives to all those who come to him. Because he says, come to me. He invites you to come. And this morning, may you cry to him. And indeed, express yourself to him. 
and come to him just as you are without faith. Only come now and express your faith in him. Not all have faith. And dear friends, all haven't faith, and this might be explained as I've said, faith therefore is not in all. Faith is a gift of God. And it's a gift of God that is very rare. It is rare. And the record of our own history shows its rarity. And it's rare not because of God. It's rare because of yourself. But we still, it's rare because those that must indeed be different from this still want to live and do things as those who have no faith. And therefore extending the boundary for not all who have faith. Extending the very veracity of these words for not all have faith. And as I come to a close uh, this morning, may you be persuaded that you can turn around by one, yourself. We can turn around this very history of for not all have faith. And you can answer there for the apostles' call that you want the word of the Lord to speed ahead and be honored. And thus you want for all believers, particularly those who are engaged in the gospel work, that they may be delivered from evil, from wicked and evil uh, men. God therefore calls all of us, calls you today to come to him by faith. Not about what you see, but by what you have heard about God. May you be persuaded uh, this morning about this. And without doubt, uh, therefore, when you come, this fidelity of the truthfulness of an individual towards God will be your experience. And you will be known as, uh, as such. Later on, we'll see, therefore, that with all this, the Lord himself is faithful. He will establish you and he will guard you against the evil one. You've got nothing to worry about then. Come, cry to him this morning. The Lord himself is going to be faithful to you. He will establish you. He will guard you. Oh, come, I plead with you. Come to him. And oh, Christian brother and sister, show that indeed you have come by being a person truly of faith and trustworthy. And all to this end, may God richly bless all of us this morning. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, how we do pray, O oh God, that faith may be the experience of many here to truly show their trustworthiness. Father, 
we do see that indeed not all have faith. And this is the world we live in, but cause that indeed it may not be the state that we will be as individuals. And to that end, O oh God, help each one of us here and grant us true saving faith. And those of us with this, O oh God, grant us true trustworthiness in our hearts. Thank you, O oh God, that indeed you are faithful, you will establish us, and you will guard us against the evil one. We are grateful to this. And for this, O oh God, we worship you. In the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.